You are listening to weekly messages from Austin Christian Fellowship. For more information about ACF, visit acfellowship.org. Well, good morning, everybody. How you guys doing? You well? Happy, um, what is this? What, it, what, happy Labor Day. Is it Labor Day weekend? Is that what it is? Goodness gracious. Yeah, I've been gone a minute. Um, if I don't have the pleasure of knowing you, my name is Will Davis Jr., and I see a bunch of faces today I don't know. So welcome. It is so good to have you here. Um, you're in the right place. Can we thank our worship team for leading us so well? Man, uh, they're just anointed, and they'll be back in a minute. We're not, we've got one more song we're going to do toward the end, give you a chance to reflect a bit. So um, look forward to that moment. So if you are new to ACF, first of all, I want to greet you guys online as well. It's good to see you. Thanks for joining in. And we have a lot of people, hundreds that participate in our service at some point during the week online. So thank you guys as well for being part of that. Um, we'll put a slide up. If you want to connect with ACF, this is how you do so, at least step one. Uh, you can take a picture of this uh, QR code or um, text uh, the phrase ACF Connect to 512-866-9908. And that's step one, and then we respond. Uh, we have thriving small group ministries, men's and women's ministries, world-class children and youth ministries, prayer ministry, missions ministry, ways you get involved in guest services and serving up here, serving back behind the board, serving throughout the week. It's just, and, and most importantly, connecting. We do all that so people can connect. And so um, if you have a relationship with me, that's great. I may or may not see you and be able to help you, but somebody in your small group in your community can. So that's why we do it. So please reach out. Let us know you're here. Uh, a lot's going on in the church, and it's all really encouraging. I do a daily devotional starting back Tuesday called, it used to be called Good News Today. Now it's 40 Conversations. It evolves a bit, and it kicks back in on Tuesday. I'm doing 40 Conversations About, drum roll, prayer, okay? And so uh, if you can subscribe to that there on the screen, and it'll show up in your inbox first thing about 6 a.m. Tuesday morning. It's a, it's a video devotional that I do, uh, just talking to you for the next 40 days, uh, five days a week about prayer, and I love doing it. And I've been off since June, haven't done that since end of June. So buckle up, subscribe, and let's talk about prayer together. And finally, let me invite you to be back next week and the several weeks thereafter as we jump into what we traditionally call our fall series, which is a parallel with a small group study that we have available to you guys called Counter Culture. And it, the timing couldn't be better, especially what I'm sharing today. Um, it's, we're going to look at the Beatitudes, uh, those first eight or nine verses of the Sermon on the Mount, which is the most revolutionary, counterintuitive message ever given uh, that Jesus gave us in Matthew 5 through 7. And the introductory statements are things like, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the gentle, the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are, the, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, not other things. It's so upside down compared to the way we live and what we get uh, told we're to be. And that was just the introductory statement to the whole message of the Sermon on the Mount, which is how to live in the kingdom. 
So we're gonna, I'm going to geek out on you a little bit more than normal and dive into that next week. And I cannot wait. And um, bring your Bibles. Uh, Chris Tapkin, I want to thank those people who taught this summer. They did an amazing job. Chris challenged you guys a couple weeks ago to bring your Bibles to church. I want to encourage you to do that. And go ahead and set it open to Matthew chapter 5. And you're going to be doing this a lot, okay? So if you don't have a Bible, we can get you one. So Bible's this really good book written. I, I gave a friend of mine recently one. I gave a friend of mine a Bible recently, and she wrote me and thank you. And I said, it does its best work open, okay? <laughs> so there you go. All right, uh, let me pray. Lord, thank you for uh, this weekend. Thank you for the chance to be here. I pray you'll humble me and activate my skills and gifts. I thank you for the rain, Lord. Gosh, Lord, thank you for the rain. What was it, about five weeks ago, God, we did a prayer service for rain, and look how the weather patterns have changed. Come on. Uh, it's crazy. We prayed for the weather patterns to change, and look at that. Lord, we also prayed for full lakes, and we prayed for drought ending around not just Austin, but around the state and around the country. And we know you're in charge of that, so we continue to pray. We're, not gonna, we're grateful for the rain, but we're not done. Our creeks are still dry and aquifers are still low and the lakes are still low, Lord. So we're going to say thank you for the cooler temperatures, the pleasantness outside, but we're also going to say, Lord, keep it coming. Please, it's about you, God. That's about you. It's not about us. It's about what you do. I, I, I so long for those children in that video that we showed that day and the people who prayed and the people in this congregation who couldn't believe we were giving an entire service to praying for something. To see you move, God, in a way that like, well, he did it. Because we see that all the time. And this would be some people's first foray into like, wow, God answers prayer. What if we prayed for this? So thank you, Lord. I pray that what I share now will be um, honoring to you and encouraging to this church. And I pray it in your name. Amen. Okay, First Peter, the fifth chapter. If you get a Bible, find it. Um, I think we're bringing back, if I'm speaking out of turn, they'll let me know tomorrow. I think we're bringing back Bible call. Remember Bible call? Yeah. Yeah. We used to hand out Bibles to people who want them. We're bringing that back, I think, next week. So uh, I can tell you you're thrilled about it. So if you don't bring, we, have, we had one girl who got a Bible every week. She got a saint, she just had a collection at home. <laughs> All right, so 1 Peter, 5th chapter, verse 8. Be sober-minded and watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you into his eternal glory in Christ, will himself Restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. I in no way want to equate our context to what the people of First Peter were experiencing. It, a whole different level, but we've been through it a little bit together the last few years. So back in 
May, our leadership and our staff, which is amazing, the best meetings they have are the ones I'm not in. They get the most done and I hear about them. I go, yep, that's great, let's go. And they were having a discussion about what are we really getting right and what, can we, what should we continue to emphasize given all that's going on in the world. And we, the feedback was we're really thriving in worship and prayer. We're thriving in pretty much in everything we can try to do. But worship and prayer are really encouraging and cares. We call it cares around here. The ministries that are come alongside and encourage people who are hurting. Grief counseling, divorce care, uh, financial support for people in need, comfort in difficult days. And that was kind of like inevitable. The churches that didn't respond in cares didn't survive through COVID. And so we were just saying, in the coming fall, what do we need to focus on to serve our congregation? And because these seem to be areas where you seem to be getting some things right. Uh, Christian, our student minister, shared with you two weeks ago that they've moved our youth into here on Sunday mornings because of the flow of the Spirit in here that they didn't want to miss out on. It's worship. God's working in here in prayer. Well, so we said, let's give it a week and talk about it. So we came back the next week. It was a Tuesday. We were having a meeting about maybe, maybe we need to continue the CARES emphasis. And we got a text from a staff member during the meeting. And she said, there's been a shooting in Uvalde. I'm getting goosebumps. And we're like, well, there's probably our answer. We probably need to just do some healing because we've all been through something, not of that level, but uh, I remember there was a season in the spring we had, we had funerals lined up like airplanes coming in for landing, just the weeks and weeks out of funerals. The most I've done in 20 years of ministry at ACF, 28 years of ministry, I did in two years, just the more, just off the, off the charts funerals, all of them hard. And so in the wisdom of hopefully the Holy Spirit and the leaders of Austin Christian Fellowship, some staff, some volunteers, our elders, our deacons, our staff, we want to introduce you to a concept this morning we're calling Restore. It's not a program. It's a mindset. It will be primarily led by our staff and volunteers, but it will have an immediate impact on everybody that's connected to ACF, whether you serve or not. And we think it's of the Lord. And what's been interesting is the comments I'm hearing from ACFers like, well, what took you so long? And from other churches that we have not talked to that are doing the exact same thing. So I've got a definition for you. Restore is an extended emphasis of healing, restoration, and renewal for the ACF staff and volunteers. It's broader than that. We're not just targeting our staff and volunteers, but if we don't get well and healthy, you guys won't either. And if we don't model it, you won't do it. You're going to follow what your leaders do, and if we're running around with our hair on fire, you've got no reason to think anything's different. So I'm asking, and our leaders are asking, that we all do a bit of an adjust, really for the next foreseeable, maybe 9 to 10, 11 months, really the next church year kind of the run from now till midsummer, where we're going to lead and think 
a bit differently. And I'll, I'll explain that in the coming minutes, what that looks like for you and, and why we're doing this. And the word restore, I love that verse in First Peter, as he's, the word restore is a word that can mean many, many things, um, including to purify. Our word cauterize comes from the word used here, restore. It's katharizo. And it, our word cauterize, it can be to purify. It can be to set something back to its original level. That's what purifying does. But in the English, restore, I want, I want you to think about a, a grocery store clerk or whatever going through and restocking shelves. Re, he's restoring. He's putting back in the store shelves things that were missing. So the emphasis of the year, you guys, for you and for us, and I, I don't know if you know this, but staff are humans too. Pastors are humans too. Deacons, elders are humans too, and we get tired and we have depression and we have family issues and we have physical issues and we have financial issues just like everybody else does. And we get, um, I'm really fortunate, I'm really well protected and have been doing this a minute, so I'm more prepared for it. But some of the guys I talked to in the city, they're young, got their heads handed to them during the COVID, post-George Floyd racial crisis, the pre-election crisis, the mask or no mask crisis, all that heat and volatility ate some pastors for lunch and staff. And a lot of guys just said, I'm done. They didn't know how to lead through it. And so there's a lot of limping leaders out there right now. not to mention congregants. So we like the image of restoring, of kind of putting back in the shelves what we need to do our jobs well. And the shelves may be emotional. They may be spiritual. Um, or all of the above, physical. But it's, it's, it's a bit of a, if we get the opportunity, we're going to take a breath. And we're going to control what we can control in the coming nine to 10 months and not worry about the things we can't. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't have any wants. I see David out there watching late at night, staff in hand, watching those crazy sheep laying there like they have no problems in the world. He's looking out at the stars at night going, you know, you're my shepherd. I'm these guys. These guys have got it made. They have no idea how good they have it. You're my shepherd. I don't want anything because why, when you're, you made that, what could I possibly want? He, leads, he makes me lie down like my sheep in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He, look at the word, say it, restores, puts back on the shelves. My soul. Some of you, maybe I'm talking for myself here, have some pretty big gaps on your shelves right now. Mark 6, the apostles gathered together with Jesus and they reported they'd been out on a mission, reported to him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves. I love this verse. Come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a little while. 
for there were so, so many people coming and going they didn't even have time to eat. It was, they were on fire with popularity as Jesus was healing people right and left. I can see the disciples going, can you tone down the miracles just for a minute, please? Because we can't, we can't get a break because you're doing all these great things. And Jesus said, hey guys, come on, let's go. Let's go, let's go be quiet a minute and restore. And the last verse I'll show you for the moment is from Matthew 14. Jesus gets wind that his first cousin and, and forerunner and the man who baptized him, John the Baptist, has been executed. Um, a man I love dearly and consult, one of the guys who consults me and mentors me said to me recently in a phone call, there'll be a lot of us that have an empty chair at Thanksgiving this year. Well, Jesus has got an empty chair. And look what he did. When Jesus heard about John, he withdrew from there in a boat to a secluded place by himself. The difference between Jesus and a lot of us is we don't do that. Because we got a meeting tomorrow in Denver. Or I got a project due. I got a paper due. Or kids' little leagues kicking in. We got to get going. And I really don't have time to go to that secluded place and grieve the loss of my first cousin. So I'll do that later along with the 50 other things I haven't done since I was in high school. The difference is Jesus took time to go weep and grieve and because it was really, now Jesus is in the spotlight. He's up and he's next on the execution block, by the way, and he knows it. So he hears about John and he's got to go, he's got to go restore, put back on the shelf some, that took it, that's, he lost something when John died. So he's like, time out, guys. I don't know that we have a good ability to call a time out as humans. As, I mean, that's not true. As 21st century Western humans. My friends around the world that I get to see occasionally in other countries, they do time out really well. They know how to grieve. They know how to sit for a minute. We don't. I mean, what some of you have been through in the last 24, 36 months, one of those events is enough to make you want to retreat a minute, right? Some of you have had back to back to back to back to back. So what restore is not, let me tell you what we're not, not going to be about. We're, it's not an excuse to stop serving or giving. For you or us, we're, we're going to continue to give money to missions and do missions. We're going to continue to serve and say yes as God leads us to. It's not a, a, it's not a break for any of us. There's no, rec, there's no reclining chair in ministry that lasts very long. You sit for a minute, but you don't retire. You don't stop. And so we're, this is not, a, this is not a, an excuse for us to stop doing what God's called us to do, or you for that matter. Nor is it permission to look the other way. Um, when something pops up that's significant, restore doesn't mean we get to say no to that because we're not doing ministry right now. <laughs> Sorry about your grief. Call us in July. Not doing that. 
And it's not a staff and leadership sabbatical. We're not going anywhere. Okay? What Restore is, is a deliberate slowing down. I got to print this in parentheses as much as, hopefully. Because <laughs> there's some things about which, of which we're not in control. So as much as we can control it, we're going to try to slow down a bit. I'll explain that. So I know this is shocking. Some of you are going, who are we? What did you do with ACF? Because we typically sixth gear, pedal to metal. We go hard, ministry run. We're taking the next hill. We're chained, we're, that's, that's how we rolled from day one in January of 94. And we're, we're like, wait, we're going to go from sixth to fifth, maybe fourth, if we can. If things go crazy tomorrow and we are all, we're all hands on deck, we'll be all hands on deck. But as far as we can control it, I'm going to ask a little less of our staff and our elders and our deacons and small group leaders. We're, we're just not going to push quite so hard if we can. Secondly, it's an increased emphasis on pastoral care and soul care. We're going to really work hard. Please hold your applause. We're going to work really hard the next 9 to 10, 12 months on caring for you and teaching you to care for yourselves. My wife's, one of my wife's passions is soul care. That you can't love others if you don't love yourself. And Jesus did soul care when he withdrew. And so we want to be equipped to when those phone calls come. We've spent a lot of time this past year working on our, our CARES ministry. Hey, we just ordained, we're getting ready to ordain four new deacons, all of them females, which makes me so happy. You got an information thing about that this week. And we're going to, we have more in the pipeline coming because where we have small groups are our first responders. If you're in a small group and something blows up, the small group should be equipped to respond to you in a triage style, and they do it amazing. They just, they do it so well. I'm, I'm not the first phone call. I'm typically the last two or three days later. Oh, by the way, did you hear about? No. Well, small group's got it. But for people who are not in small groups, we have a deacon ministry that is thriving and growing. We're our very God-honoring deacons originated out of a need for serving Grecian widows in Acts chapter 6. And they didn't throw the leftover people out. They said, give me your best leaders and put them on this. Because widows matter. And we have a ton of people, male and female, that have significant needs. And it, it just felt, I believe in, uh, in a team environment, clearly having both genders present. But the, the influx of female deacons is going to help us significantly in dealing with some widows and some people, single moms, etc., that it's just probably healthier to have a man and a woman or a woman dealing with them and not just a man. And I'm thrilled about it. So we're, going to, we're really going to up the work we're going to do to make sure that if you have a need between small groups and deacons, we can respond healthily and put somebody fresh See, I, I'll use the image of writing checks, but it's emotional. Sometimes you're asked to write checks emotionally that you don't have the funds to cover. And we've been, a lot of us have been doing that for months now, maybe longer because of COVID and everything else. So we wanna, if we would send somebody to your home in a crisis, we want the person that's there able to write healthy checks to you. 
and be full enough to invest in you for whatever is required. So we're, we're raising the number of our on-call troops for that very thing. We're thrilled about it. You'll see um, more about that coming. All right, so what can you expect? I feel like I'm in staff meeting or I'll typically say, okay, what have you heard me say to make sure I'm communicating well? And I really want to ask that right now. And somebody's going to say, well, you're going on vacation. That's not what we're doing. Okay, what have you heard me say? We all need a minute to catch our breath if possible. Because I don't think that the craziness of what we've lived through, this is looking forward. I don't know that we're done with the weirdness I mean, midterms alone ought to be pretty entertaining. Okay? Susie and I were in Uvalde uh, a month ago. We were in Lakey, and, you know, Susie is a school shooting survivor and has a heart for people that have been through that, and we thought we're not going to be this close to not go to Uvalde and pay our respects and just offer to help. And it was a stirring thing to be there, to go to the school, talk to people, see the memorials around town, to see how small the school was. It looks so much bigger on video. It's tiny and just all right there. The boarded up windows and memorials. And we were driving back to Lakey and Susie said, you know, if these guys, if these pastors, by the way, the Methodist pastor in Lakey is a former Navy chaplain whose doctorate is in dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder. He's perfectly suited for what he's doing. Isn't that amazing? Susie said, if these leaders and these pastors had known this was going to come, how would they have prepared? What would they have done to get ready for a crisis? And we were like, we don't think anything of that nature, a shooting or anything else, it's going to make national news is facing us. But if we knew, if we knew what was next down the pike, a COVID-type thing or a really hard result to an election or more unemployment or a, a long-term recession, how would we prepare? Well, this is us preparing just in case. So what can you expect? Number one, you can expect a continued regular weekly routine from Austin Christian Fellowship. So Sunday mornings, youth, camp fun, church, small groups, the things that you love on a regular basis about ACF that we do are not going anywhere. We're going to keep having church the way we've always had it and better and anointed and engaging God and what you come to expect on weekends or in your small group or from the services we offer you on a regular basis, there, nothing's changing there. Hopefully, we'll be healthier as we do it. Secondly, we're going to take this. This will affect you at some point. We're going to have a shorter calendar view and a shorter budget view. We're not going to make plans for next summer right now or even next spring. We're going to try to stay about three months ahead so that we have resources and calendar stuff calendar space to respond if we need to. We don't want to have to make a bunch of commitments 
and then redirect if we need to, if we need to be doing other things next January or February or March. So where we might say, hey, there's a men's retreat next April, we may not say that for a minute because we want to make sure next April we need to be having a men's retreat as opposed to something else. So a little bit calendar, shorter calendar view and a little bit shorter budget view to give us a chance to respond as we need to. These next two, I hope, will encourage you. Um, increased emphasis on personal and soul, personal soul care. We're going to be talking to you a lot about how, and the Beatitudes would be a great place to start. We'll talk to you a lot about how to take care of your soul, how to do what Jesus did and pull away and have some quiet time, and an increased emphasis on spiritual disciplines. In your small groups and other places, and every chance I have, we're going to talk a lot about the, the daily routines you can be engaged in to make sure you're, you know, you've got these dashboards on your car that tell you what's your battery, your oil pressure, your gas gauge, your tire pressure. Well, if one of those things is going off, you pay attention to it. Well, you, some of us are ignoring the dashboard lights on our dashboard. One of them is physical. One of them is emotional. One of them is spiritual. You could say one is spiritual, one is your soul, which is your, your mind, your emotions, your will, all that balled up together, and one is your body. And some of you have some dashboard lights going off. We're going to teach you and talk about permission to address that like Jesus did. Because some of you, since COVID or since whatever, have a light going off, you really need to pull over and raise the hood and do some work. And you just hadn't had the chance or hadn't taken the chance. We're going to talk about that and how to do it well. This next one is the bottom line. I hope you'll listen for just a minute and, and think with me. We're going to talk significantly about emphasizing, you ready, assignments over opportunities. Now, every one of you needs to learn how to do this. Opportunities are things that come your way that you have the option of saying yes or no to, and they're typically attractive. I like to call them the three Fs, fun, uh, financial, or flattering. Opportunities are things that are fun, or they bring a financial windfall potential, or they're just like you feel flattered to be asked to be involved. There could be other things, but they're things you don't have to do, but you choose to do, and a lot of them, most of them are really good. There's no, most of the opportunities you guys are engaged in, I'm engaged. I remember years ago, in the early days of ACF, I got asked to teach a high school class on religion at a high school not far from here, private Christian school. And I thought, how flattering. They want me to teach. And we talked about it. And yeah, let's go do this. It was a nightmare. <laughs> they hated me. Because I would be in the middle of something and have to get in a car and drive across town to go teach for a lesson I was prepared for. And sometimes, and so I had this opportunity where all of a sudden an assignment pops up like, we got a real issue at ACF. And guess what? I got to go teach a class. My opportunity made me ineffective when the assignments came. It was a great opportunity. Teach a high school class. Get paid a little extra money. You know, it's flattering. They want me to come teach. They just needed to fill a hole and I was the closest guy. So we get sucked into opportunities because they're flattering or because they're fun or because they're financial or other things. And then you get an assignment. Assignments are things you can't opt out of. Assignment is when you get the pink slip and says, pack up your stuff and go home. 
An assignment is when you get the health report back and says, this is gonna be a problem. We're gonna have to deal with this. Some of you are walking through those right now. An assignment is the birth of a special needs child. An assignment is a relational crisis. Assignment is caring for an aging parent. There are things when life comes rolling in and you just can't say, I'm sorry, I don't have time for this. You, you don't have, with the opportunities, you have, that opp- you have that chance. With assignments, there's no voting. It's here. And they're coming regularly. And so what we want to do as a church is make sure we have enough bandwidth when the assignments come. We have the emotional, physical, financial material ability to respond. And so we're going to limit our yes on some opportunities for the next year or so to make sure when some of the things that pop up that have popped up this last year that were all consuming for us and emotionally exhausting and hard, but we needed to do them. They were right and they were good, but they were so hard. We're not busy doing something we could have said no to and saved some heartache in the process. And you need to do the exact same thing. You need to, it is okay, it is not a sin to have space in your calendar. (laughs) I have no idea where that came from. (laughs) We just, we feel the need to fill things and make sure our kids don't have a minute because they might get in trouble. Insanity is not a spiritual gift or a strategy. So we're going to talk a lot about assignments versus opportunities. And you may hear us say, this is a great opportunity. We're going to have to say no. And apologize. We've already had some calls come in. You know, we have our staff doing now. This is so cool. Why would we do this forever ago? We have a staff now. They're have, like if they do want to do a, an event or something, we'll say, write the justification from this from the restore mindset. Why should we put funds and energy into this when we're trying to gear back. And it's making them think about how is this gonna help us deepen our souls? And it's, one, it's brilliant because the answers we're getting back from our staff are so wonderful and so profound and like, yeah, this is exactly the kind of thing we should do or I don't even need to ask because it's not gonna help us and restore. All right, where can you start? Please examine your own lives, number one. Take a look at what you've got going on. Secondly, as my pastor friend Chris Tapkin, our prayer leader, has built into our DNA of saying, increase your unhurried time with Jesus. I love that that phrase is becoming part of our DNA here at the church. You just can't do Jesus in a hurry. Uh, A book I read recently says, hurry is the opposite of love. You can't love well if you're in a hurry. Third, practice Sabbath. You know that Sabbath is in the same list as thou shalt not kill. In case you don't know that list, it's called the Ten Commandments. And Jesus put on the same level of not committing adultery and not lying and cheating and stealing and killing the need to practice Sabbath 
once a week. He gets one-seventh of your week of rest. Anything that looks like pursuing gain, you don't get to do one day a week. It's a faith thing. It's a day for rest, for play, for worship, for hobbies, but it's not a day to get ahead financially. Build that into your life. And finally, let me invite the worship team to start making their way up here. I cannot wait to see what happens on this one. You ready? This is so rowdy. This is actually going to be kind of fun. We're going to call them agape feasts. Now, I wanted to call them love feasts. That just sounds scandalous, okay? I got staff writing back saying, you cannot say love feasts publicly because it's just, and I've said it three times now, love feasts, love feasts, love feasts. The word is agape, which is God's, so these were biblical. And what a love feast was, what an agape feast was, that the church would get together in pockets, and Susie's talked about this so much in her ministry, and around a table, with, with, they'd have wine or they'd have whatever, and they'd have food, and they'd just love on each other as loud and as rowdy and as much fun as they could across age and stage lines. So the older folks would invite in the younger folks, and they'd have a dinner, and they'd laugh and tell stories and cry, and then they'd take communion and those guys, the younger guys will leave going, man, I feel so encouraged. And you, let's say 45, 50 and older folks in ACF, we got a bunch of young people hanging out here in our church. Don't ask me why, but they're here. And we're so happy. I want you to have them in their homes. And have a, have a agape feast. Serve dinner. Don't worry about how it looks. Bring in church's chicken for that matter. And just have, enjoy each other. That's a key part of restoring is a relational emphasis. For more information about the Agape Feast, would you please see groups at acfellowship.org. Can't wait. Get some people over to your house and just laugh. Play Clue. Play Twister. That'd be a moment. <laughs> All right, the next five minutes are for you. You guys at home, tune in. I requested this next moment because I want you to think about what is missing from your shelf that the Holy Spirit might need to put back up for you. Or, what is that phone call you got, that letter you received, that season you walked through, that if it was a pack, you're doing this. It's just heavier and heavier and heavier. And we're going to invite the Holy Spirit in the next five minutes to either put some stuff back on your shelf or take that pack off your back as we walk into this season. This is what this moment's for. They're gonna sing a song over you, which means you can participate if you want to, but you're not required to. Just let them love on you through worship. You can stand, you can sit, you can kneel, you can come to the front and kneel. You can raise your hands, you can cry, you can make a list, but this is what's missing on the shelf that I want God to put back up, like joy. And what's this that I want him to lift right now? 
We love you, Lord. Thank you for the time. Holy Spirit, move now. In Jesus' name.